Today's episode of Heat Check is brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Daily Fantasy had such a great year. They're giving you a taste of what 2019 looks like with a $1 million fantasy football contest. Someone will take down $100,000 for first place. One in four people who play will double their money. Not a bad way to end the year. There's a limit of 10 entries per player, so play is fair and everyone gets a shot. Don't miss this contest. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Use promo code yahoo25 when you make your first deposit for $25 in free play. Welcome to a very special pre-recorded holiday edition of Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by our producer, Isaac Lee. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, homie. You know, people are traveling. They're going here and there for the holidays. So I'm going back to Philly. Chris Ryan is in Philly. Isaac, I imagine you're staying in LA? Yeah, I'll be commuting actually to my aunt's house in Fullerton. That's a 50-mile commute for those who are interested in Southern California geography. So a lot of time in the car, a lot of time listening to podcasts, a lot of time listening to maybe reruns of Heat Check. (laughs) I I recommend it. It's a great show. I think if you have to go 50 miles in Southern California, you should leave now and you might make it by mid-January. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> right. it's, it takes me roughly half the day to get from the west side to the office. I know <laughs> yeah. nobody nobody outside of LA cares about traffic patterns, yeah. but it's really as bad as you've heard. So I recommend leaving early, Isaac, which is not generally your thing. Definitely not my thing. Um, people from California, we do not arrive on time. You're always here like 30 minutes before we record. I get here right before we need to record, which is, I believe, the proper time. <laughs> I like to get here early. Isaac does not. Isaac, Godspeed on your holiday travels. <laughs> yeah. But normally we record, to pull down the curtain a little bit, normally we record on Monday morning, Pacific Coast, LA time, and then we push it out and hopefully everybody listens to it, you know, Monday or whenever is good for them. But because of all of our schedules and people moving around, we decided to record it ahead of time. So we came up with an idea previously on the ringer.com. I wrote a column about NBA guilty pleasures, and we thought that would be kind of fun for the holiday season, something that we could pre-record and uh, kick out so that you could listen to it at your leisure over the holiday. So we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and please rate and review us and all of our fantastic ringer NBA shows and pods at your leisure. And of course we have lots of great content on the ringer.com that won't stop over the holidays. You can catch up on all the great stories that you might have missed For example, Paolo just wrote a fantastic piece about one of our favorites here at The Ringer, DeMontis Sabonis, so I highly recommend you read that. But we're going to get into guilty pleasures here with Chris Ryan and break down our top five. We hope you enjoy it. All right, joining me on the other line from The Watch, from Sources Say, from Group Chat, my favorite Philadelphian, he's returned to the homeland, it's Chris Ryan. Oh, the power of I-95 compels me, John Gonzalez. You are there. I have not come home yet. I'm still in L.A. I will be meeting you in Philadelphia soon. Well, here's what I want to know. How much Scrapple have you eaten so far? Not much. I got to say that it's kind of like coming from the West Coast. It's so slate gray and freezing. I've just been kind of hibernating like a bear, eating bagels and passing out and then waking up in time for Sixers games. It always looks like whenever I go home, it always feels like, like the outtakes from the uh, 89 Batman movie where it's like <laughs> it's super gray and there's like it's industrial and there's smoke billowing. And I'm like, why is that factory there? That's 
That's right. Why do we have a refinery? I don't think there's any oil in Pennsylvania. <laughs> the refinery is really just, there's no way to get into Philadelphia from the airport without passing the refinery. And it just is yeah. not a good look. It's not. A, yeah, it's such a great like, hey, and then we got this refinery. Yeah. Welcome to Philadelphia. Have you, in other important Philadelphia news before we get into our guilty pleasures, have you yet visited the new Wawa at 6 and Chestnut? No, I'm saving it. Okay. It's a Christmas treat for myself. I think you and I should make a pilgrimage there. Okay. All right, so we're going to do guilty pleasures. You helped edit that piece that we wrote on the ringer.com. Go and check it out if you're so inclined. It's a fun little piece where I did my top 10 guilty pleasures, stupid things in the NBA that you might not be as interested in as I am, but I like them and I don't care. So we're going to do an updated version of that and a truncated version where we'll each give our five and uh, we'll go back and forth. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think guilty pleasures, it's worth saying, is a very malleable concept. Yeah. I think that in this day and age, it's hard to find guilt in the NBA. It's hard to find stuff that you're, like, ashamed to like. You know, it's the same thing with music. If you like a Ariana Grande song, you just like an Ariana Grande song. I know a lot of people are Ariana Grande fans. I'm just saying. Yeah, if you're into Bravo shows, uh, maybe you're checking out Below Deck in between NBA games. That's kind of what we're going for here. Yeah, what are you hiding? There's no reason to feel shame in this world in 2018 going into 2019. That being said, my number one, or the first one that I'm sharing, I don't know if it's number one, but uh, is the New York Knicks and their sense of optimism. Craziness. Okay, so I think a lot of people have this misconception of the ringer that it's this axis of Boston and Philly sports fans and that, you know, we're just bending sports to our own will by creating Eagles Patriots rivalries out of the Super Bowl and a Sixers Celtics rivalry that'll last through the aught tens or whatever. But that's actually not true. What we are <laughs> kind of true. Is a New York <laughs> deep state sleeper cell. We have more New York sports fans on staff. I think that we do Boston Philly fans. It's just that Boston Philly fans have more to cheer about. But once you just get the single bead of light at the end of the tunnel, oh, the Knicks fans wake up and they just start chirping and chirping on Slack. And you know what? It kind of warms my heart. So this first one goes out to Fennessy. It goes out to Nicole. It goes out to Concepcion. It goes out to Roger Sherman and Noah and all the Knicks fans, Dan Devine, who are on our staff. I see you guys and I love it. It's really beautiful. It's like, I shouldn't really cheer for any other Northeast Corridor team to prosper, but I just can't help it. I love that this team has won, as of this recording, what, eight games? But every night it feels like the Knicks are the only show in town on Slack. You guys love them. You love Moutier. You love Moutier Jr. You love Knox. Go ahead, John. Help me out here. No, Devine had some kind of crazy take about Mitchell Robinson and how he'd rather have him than... I, I forget who he compared him to. No, he, it was there was some talk of Mitchell Robinson versus DeAndre. That's who what it was. Sure, have? right. Okay. Okay, sure. And I mean, Mutier, like, he's resurrected all of a sudden. He's getting heavy minutes. And your boy Frankie Smokes, or, or their boy Frankie Smokes, has been sort of, like, pushed aside for Emmanuel Mutier, who's a retread. And, and they're cool with it. They like it. I love it. Yeah, here's the thing is that one thing we've learned over the last three or four years with Boston's reemergence and now with LeBron going to L.A. is that it's actually not an old wives tale. The NBA is more fun when these iconic franchises, when these foundational teams are doing better. And just having the little bit of excitement at the Garden 
it makes the NBA better on a night-to-night basis. So it's a guilty pleasure because I shouldn't be cheering for anything coming out of New York as a Philadelphian, but I do have some guilty pleasure about loving this New York Knicks optimism. Yeah, and good for the New York staffers. I do sometimes forget how many, I mean, we have an office in New York and I sometimes forget that we have this like massive New York contingent. So good for them if they're excited about that, because we do, despite your precursor to the conversation here, we do have a very loud and vocal Philly and Boston contingent, I think, as everybody who listens to Heat Check knows. Well, it's like you, me, and Bauman screaming at the top of our lungs, (laughs) and Bill and and KOC. Kevin, I am not a Celtics fan. I am a journalist, O'Connor. Right. We could take up a lot of airspace, but it's great to see New York prosper a little bit. And they're going to get a good draft pick because they still suck. Finally, something good goes for New York. All right, good for New York. Here's my first one, and Isaac, feel free to join in on this one. For my first one, I've got Isaac's Clippers roller coaster so far this season because the, <laughs> the Clippers, I love Isaac. He's a big part of Heat Check. And he and he his his go-to move is that side that you heard right there. But at the beginning of the season, they got off to a super hot start. He was peacocking around the pod studio. He was crowing about them being the best team in LA. He was literally tweeting about how they were the best team in L.A. multiple times. Whoa, 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 no. Back up, back up. What? They weren't the best team in L.A. They were the best team in California. <laughs> See, the state go. of California. <laughs> it's, and, but it's been much rougher lately, and Isaac has been considerably less thrilled about it. So yeah. as, a, as at the time of this recording, the Clippers have lost six of their last seven games, according to Isaac's Twitter. And he tweeted out the uh, dog in the burning house meme. And here's some other tweets from Isaac's Twitter. Every breath I take is a precursor to a sigh. He was questioning Doc's decision-making. He went at an off-brand Lakers Twitter account that said, we have reclaimed our spot as the Kings of Los Angeles, to which Isaac clapped back. (laughs) Y'all got the best player in the world over the summer and only now have one more win than the Clippers. Fuck out of (laughs) here. Isaac's going at randos on Twitter. That's how 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 far south this has gone. It's really been great. Even Bill has gotten in on the on the action here. Bill went at him and busted his balls and said the Clippers are now one in five since Isaac Lee cheated on them and flew to Dallas to sing Hallelujah. Isaac, <laughs> hell of a season for you and the Clippers, my man. Listen, so regarding Hallelujah. <laughs> When I went to Dallas and sang Hallelujah, it was December 8th. My birthday is December 9th. So this happened in succession of me singing in front of 15,000 people and then my birthday right afterwards. And, you know, people were asking me like, hey, you know, what a cool thing. They got you to sing at American Airlines Center and it was your birthday on Sunday. How are you feeling? And I said, the Clippers got blown out by Miami. So I feel terrible. This is a horrible thing. I do not feel good whatsoever. So my emotional mm. like state is so tied to the Clippers to the point that my personal success and literally the day of my birth had no impact on my mood because the Clippers lost to Miami. That's how attached I am to the Clippers. It's probably incredibly unhealthy and um, possibly abnormal. Yeah, Isaac, I got to tell you something, man. It's unhealthy. <laughs> but no, no, but don't do that, Chris, because it's really great. Like, I love how fragile he is. And he comes in, he comes in and it's like he's on eggshells at all times. And I'm like, this is fantastic for me because I'm not a Clippers fan and I'm adjacent to Isaac. So I get to see it all. It's wonderful. That's on my list. Chris, what's your next one? My next one. I feel bad about this one. I do have guilt about this one. It's Anthony Davis trade rumors. What do you feel bad? Because I'm, I'm loving this. I'm in. We love pre-agency at The Ringer. We do, and this isn't just any old trade rumor. I think what we saw with Kawhi is we realized 
in the past, I think you, you could see this. You could see with Durant going to Golden State, it solidified a dynasty. With Paul George going to Oklahoma City, it kept that franchise afloat in the post-Durant years. Even with Jimmy coming to the Sixers, you can see that it's, it has the least a potential to improve the team from last year's Eastern Conference semifinals finish. But with Kawhi Leonard going to the Raptors, you can see how a player moving from one team to another can alter the landscape of the entire league. And that's what you've got with Davis. If Davis moves on from New Orleans, depending on where he goes, he could change the next five to ten years of the league with his move. And I feel bad about this because if this happens, it will essentially be the NBA transaction version of what happens in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom Ooh, when like Mola Ram reaches into somebody's heart and pulls it out <laughs> and shows it to them. That's what would happen to the Pelicans. Look. In theory, you and I were just talking about this. In theory, Anthony Davis, who is a transcendent talent, who's a top five player in a city like New Orleans, that's one of America's great cities, should be a perfect marriage, right? Like that should be one of those things where we go, oh, this is great. We've got a great player and a great city. Let's all pay attention to the Pelicans. But it never works out that way. Like there was a point in a heat check earlier in the season where Haley was talking about the Pelicans and Isaac and I were like going back and forth. And I'm like, it's hard for me to watch them, even though they have a great player like him historically over these last few seasons, with the exception of last year in the playoffs when that Portland, when they won and like really surprised Portland and the Blazers. It's not entertaining to me. And I want him to go somewhere else. And yes, it would potentially change the face of the NBA depending on where he lands up. But I, I need something different. Like I need him out of New Orleans. I might even need the Pelicans out of New Orleans. Yeah, and you could just see with, you know, Toronto was kind of sealing out at the place where they were with DeMar and Kyle, and now they're legitimate finals contenders. I think that you could argue that they have put together probably the deepest, most complete NBA team, the best roster that we've seen in the first half of the season so far, and they're a legit challenger to Golden State. And even when Kawhi's been out, they've managed to hold it together and play excellent basketball. That should show you that if Anthony Davis goes to a Lakers or a Celtics or team unknown that we haven't even thought of yet, you know, whether it's like a Houston and Maury makes some incredible deal or something happens, it could just really change everything. And furthermore, if it does happen in a trade, if Anthony Davis gets traded for you could see New Orleans wind up with a bunch of really interesting players, and you could see a completely different Pelicans than the one we've seen over the last six years. That would be great. A different Pelicans would be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. LeBron James was actually asked about it, and he said that it would be amazing if he ended up on the Lakers. I just don't think, like, you know, we've all been sort of primed for this for a while, and I think, like, conventional wisdom around the league is that he is going to go somewhere. Anthony Davis, not LeBron. LeBron's going to stay in LA. But I think that it's not going to happen for a while because in order for Boston to get in on this, they can't trade for Anthony Davis right now because they already have a designated player in Kyrie. So they have to wait until the offseason, until they do a mm -hmm. new deal with Kyrie. Then they can go and make a play for AD. So it doesn't really behoove the Pelicans to move him yet because you want to create a bidding war. And the team that could ratchet up the price the highest is probably Boston because they've got all those picks and all those players. So I think we're probably like, we went out real fast on this one, but we're still going to have to wait. Well, I mean, LeBron going fishing helps that, you know, yeah. LeBron saying it would be amazing to play with him. It would be incredible. Despite that probably being borderline tampering with his yeah. relationship. You know, I mean that, that makes the pot simmer a little bit. And when Boston gets involved in the summer, it'll boil. I love when the pot simmers. As you know, that's one of my favorite things about the NBA. Whenever shit goes sideways, I'm in. Which brings me to my next one. 
Dave Yeager versus the Sacramento Kings, the team that coaches. <laughs> I love this shit. I can't get enough of it. And it never stops with this team. So let's just review what's happened so far. Dave Yeager tossed assistant general manager Brandon Williams out of a practice, which is crazy. I don't think I've ever heard of that happening before. That is definitely some shit that you do if you want to get fired. He's maybe been angling for that. It was suspected slash alleged that Williams had leaked to Yahoo about the front office not liking the way that Yeager was using his rotations and not really playing some of the young guys that they wanted him to play. Then it was suspected slash alleged that Yeager went and leaked to The Athletic about how leaking is bad, which is just so meta and so perfect for the Kings. And then most recently, I really love this, Jaeger was asked about Luka Doncic, and he said, perhaps there was an idea that there was a ceiling on him. I don't see it, unfortunately for us. Unfortunately for us, he said. And he said, but it's great for them, and it's great for the league. Now, so, of course, immediately, I was like, oh, my God, he just roasted not only his front office, but also Marvin Bagley. And he then was asked about it, and he said, it's not any veiled shots at anybody. When we drafted Marvin at two, we were high-fiving like crazy. We got the right guy for us. And then he said, five years from now, when we have the next Durant and Westbrook, this won't be an issue. I don't know how you can say, unfortunately for us, and then immediately pivot and say there were no veiled shots at anybody. So congrats to Jaeger and the Kings. They are delightful. What's the Dave Jaeger long game here? I have no idea. This is what I'm saying. If he's trying because to get fired. I think that we, when this happened in Memphis, I think we, the conventional wisdom was, oh, he thinks he has another landing spot. So he's basically clashing with the Memphis front office and he wants to either get a power grab and have more control or he's got a place where he's going. And now he's in Sacramento and his rep is pretty high. You got guys like KD talking about how you could tell Sacramento is a team on the rise and he's getting incredible results out of the roster that he's assembled. He's essentially like, he's increased the value on a bunch of what were basically dead assets, you mm-hmm. know, like your Willie Cauley Steins, but especially like your Buddy Heels. Like Sacramento, if they wanted to try and trade for a disgruntled Paul George type star, has a bunch of pieces to throw in the pot for it. But what's Dave Yeager gunning for here? Does he think that like, he can just kind of be the new George Carl where he gets good results over the first couple of years and then talks his way out of town. Is that a career plan? New George Carl is a tough life, man. George Carl was like a gypsy bouncing around the NBA. And in the end, everybody ended up hating him wherever he went. Nobody wants that. I'm with you. Like, okay, things aren't going well with your front office. It doesn't seem like you want to be there. But if you do get bounced, if you somehow get yourself fired by acting out like this, If I'm another NBA team or a general manager and I'm looking for a coach, I'm thinking twice about Jaeger. He's a good coach. But then I'm like, well, how long until he gets pissy at me? Yeah, I mean, I think what Jaeger, if he did leave the Kings, if I were him, I would probably be looking for the bud move, which is essentially going to a team that needs my expertise to jump from playoffs to conference finalist contender right rather than going to another young group of guys like he should not go anywhere within a thousand miles of chicago oh yeah that would be be fantastic personally i hope he doesn't go anywhere i want the kings and jaeger to stay together i am available to serve as a crisis marriage counselor if you would like to bring me in i will talk to you (laughs) guys training for that or is that just you're just putting yourself forward for it. I'm putting myself, I think being on heat check qualifies me. I do it uh, on the side and I'm happy to do it professionally for them because these two guys got to stay together. This, this group is just too much fun. I don't want to break up the band yet. Also, it's just, I don't think that our East coast brethren understand just how great it is to have several 
7.30 p.m. West Coast games that are of interest. Yeah. It's really great. And it's even better for me when I'm kind of quasi-vacationing on the East Coast. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I get to watch the Kings at like 10.30. This is like my late night show. <laughs> You're living your best life in Philadelphia right now. Maybe. All right, give me your next one. I'm going to go with the San Antonio Spurs retro ball, which is an interesting guilty pleasure. So, John, you and I watch a lot of basketball. I'm sure you have this similar situation where you wind up accidentally watching a team more than you intended to. So maybe they play on national TV a couple of times. Maybe they're the game before the game you're going to watch. You watch like the last quarter or the last half of a game. And then also maybe they're playing against a team that you mean to watch. That's happened with me with the Spurs, I think like seven times this season already. (laughs) And so I've actually unintentionally taken a deep interest in this terribly boring basketball team. Yeah, injured, thin, boring, taking a lot of twos. It is a very much like throwback to a bygone era of pop ball back. And he said openly, he said openly, he hates the three, keeps bringing it up. And and like at some point, I think it's kind of shtick, but it's a delightful shtick. Absolutely. And I watched them a couple nights ago against the Sixers, and I watched them just death by a thousand cuts, AKA LaMarcus Aldridge, 18 footers as the Sixers were trying to do all these like alley-oops and Jojo is getting the ball stripped as he would dribble into a corner or have to take a last second shot in the shot clock three. I just watched the Spurs run up the court, run their stuff, get LaMarcus Aldridge to the spot he wants to be at. Nobody knows to guard him along too, and he would just drill it, and then they went up 20 points. And it's not like they're having a good season, and it's not like it's particularly easy on the eyes. I guess this is guilty because I'm like, I guess I just keep investing time in this situation, and so I feel bad about my use of my personal time. There's a couple of things I do want to point out, though. Mm. One is... I'm buying this stock now so that if DeJonta and Lonnie Walker winds up being the backcourt of the future, I'm like a seed investor in it. Yeah, I like this. And also, I think it's good for me to see this to remind me, because sometimes I get a little tetchy about Maury Ball, and I'm like, I hate how all teams play the same, and everybody's hunting for threes or foul shots, and it's just getting a little bit samey out there, and I don't like the fact that big men get played out of the game because they can't shoot like Brooke Lopez. I'm starting to get a little annoyed at that, but when you watch the alternative and you watch Marcus Aldridge do turnaround jump shots from 13 feet out, you will learn to love more. I love that you're channeling your inner pop with that rant. You're really leaning into your forties here. I'm I'm closer in age to Popovich than I am Lonnie Walker. It's depressing. You're depressing me now. I was thinking about this the other day about how like forever in a day when I first started out in this business, it would be like, I'm younger than everybody in the locker room. And now I'm much, much older than everybody in the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking for words of encouragement there. You're like, yep, that's it. We're done. We're Um, old. I don't know what to tell you about it. It sucks. (laughs) They're talking about all these quarterbacks who are like ancient. They're like, how is it even possible that Drew Brees does it at this age? I'm like, we're older than Drew Brees. It sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Getting old does suck. All right. So mentioning pop here, here's a guy who uh, recently compared himself to pop. I'm going to go with my next one is the Chicago Bulls versus themselves. Everything I've ever wanted was them firing Fred Hoiberg. Not because I didn't add any anything against Fred Hoiberg, but because what happened as a result of this, like the domino effect here of bringing in Jim Boylan and making him not just the interim head coach, but the head friggin' coach. And he immediately went scorched earth on his own guys. His very first practice was two and a half hours, Chris, with suicides and push-ups, which I don't think I've heard of that like 
in college. Like high schools do that. That's kind of crazy. So naturally, the players revolted. They didn't want to have a heavy practice after a back-to-back that included a 56-point loss to the Celtics. They had a plan where they weren't going to show up, and then they had a plan where they were going to show up and then leave, and instead they settled on that like players-only meeting, which led to a leadership committee that is roughly half the team. Half the team is representing the other half the team. Very strange. And then on top of that, Boylan said that he was texting Pop, and he compared himself to Pop and said, you know, when Pop does this stuff, Nobody gives him heat, to which his players responded, you are not pop. Chicago Bulls, I love you so very much. Jim Boylan is definitely Chris Farley's Matt Foley, Van Down by the River character (laughs) as a basketball coach. That's pretty much all I got for you right there. I mean, just like watching him against the Thunder the other night when there was the brawl and him like putting dudes in headlocks and trying to like muscle his way through an NBA brawl. But before that had like basically been getting like shrugged off by his own players as he was shouting out instructions, like telling Robin Lopez to double someone just so that Steven Adams could get like open tomahawk jams on the bulls. He's apparently like a sharp basketball mind. You just come across guys sometimes where you're like, Oh, you're not supposed to be a head coach. Are you dog? Dude, that's why you do all the suicides and pushups in case there's a brawl and you got to get in the middle of people. You got to be swole (laughs) and you got to be in shape. Right? Like the other guys aren't doing boot camp on Venice Beach at 6 a.m. Maybe Boylan's onto something. I love this guy. Absolutely, man. I mean, I just, I'm glad that they're like, we still have room in the game for guys like this, and it's not all egghead Brad Stevens types. He's, he's going to be out before they're going to mutiny before the season's over. They're going to, it's going to be really bad for him. All right. Before we go on to your next one, we're going to do a quick NBA watch of the night. There's normally, uh, you know, we'd preview a game in this segment that's happening on the day that the podcast comes out, but there's no games on Christmas Eve. There are, however, five games on Christmas Day. That starts off at noon with Bucks versus Knicks in a Giannis presents the new nutcracker with Mario Hazonia. That should be fun, but that's not the game we're going to highlight, Chris. And a shocking development, despite what you said earlier on in the program. Sixers at Celtics at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Yet another ringer civil war battle between Philly and Boston. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I'm excited, too. I I don't know if getting smashed by Boston on Christmas Day is exactly how I want to spend Christmas, but I'm I'm excited. This will be Jimmy Butler's first trip to Boston as a Philadelphian. Ye of little faith. You think they're going to get run out of the gym or what? Well, we're recording this a little bit before then, so I hope that the results start going our way a little bit more. I don't think they're going to get run out of the gym, but I I don't think they're going to win. The problem with this team, and maybe because we haven't done this in a while, and I think Isaac would endorse this, we should just stop the podcast and make it about the Sixers for a while, but they're super thin now. They need to add some bodies. I could go on for a while about the shooting that they need. Like They can't guard anybody on the perimeter, but they're top three guys when they're healthy. Good as anybody. Sure. I mean, on any given Sunday, man, that's what Nick Foles taught us. (laughs) On any given Christmas day. And remember, gang, if you want to watch every NBA game, please subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. Back to guilty pleasures. What's your next one? The Golden State Warriors. That's a guilty pleasure? (laughs) Yeah. So here's why. It's because I know that I should be cheering for them to end. I know that for for our purposes yes. in terms of having more parity in the league and a little bit more to hope for in the finals, we should want this Death Star to get taken out by some Luke Skywalker somewhere. Please. But 
I find that they have just enough going on this season that my actual basketball and personality interest has been rekindled so that I kind of, you know, I kind of am trying to savor it while it lasts. And I feel guilty because I want other teams to prosper. I want a little bit more variety in my life. But they're just shaky enough that I want to watch them on any given night. And, you know, one of the cool things about them is while they do have this incredible lineup and they could get even better with Boogie coming back, it's kind of fun to watch them when it's like the Kevin Durant show. He had a couple of a run of like 40-plus point games a couple of weeks ago. And now it's even cooler to watch Steph basically try to win an MVP in what will wind up being about 60 games of games played this season. And they obviously are grinding a little bit. It's obviously a little bit of a tough road for them, but it's been pretty fun to watch them this season, and I just feel bad about it. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. I want this to be the end. I want KD to go to New York or anywhere else. I want them to fracture. I've had enough. It's wonderful to watch. They're super good, and but like the inevitability of it all, it just kind of like sucks some of the enjoyment out of it for me. Although there's a bright spot that's potential to maybe rot the core from within. And you mentioned him earlier, and it's not because I think he's going to be a problem as a personality, but when they get Boogie back, phasing him in on the floor, I think might be more problematic or difficult than they thought, because I have spent a lot of time watching those workout videos of him trying to get back and uh, like get his legs back under him. He looks stiff as hell. Like he does not look like he's moving well. Yeah, I don't I mean, also, I just think that, like, they are a team that I think is constantly in a sort of battle with their own identity. You know what I mean? Like, I think when Kevin first came there, there was a difficulty with you got to move the ball, you got to play within this system, and he was trying to find himself there. I think they obviously found it, and he is the closer for them. I think that we've seen that in the past two finals. But when you introduce Boogie to it, it's going to have a domino effect on the rest of the guys. It's going to affect Raymond's game. It's going to affect Katie's game, and it'll affect Clay and Steph's game. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I cannot wait to see what happens when you introduce a coming off Achilles boogie into a lineup where, you know, everybody wants the ball. And like, what about my game? And we've seen that from Boogie, too, in the past. So I wonder, like, will he be deferential? Will they be deferential? What is he going to have left physically? I don't know. It's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to that part of it. Maybe that will save us from yet another Warriors title. My next one, to get back to a theme here. Uh, I like when things go sideways. GM on GM violence. Grizz GM Chris Wallace saying the quiet part loud in public was just fucking fantastic. So in the Suns Grizz whiz trade that did not go down, Chris Wallace went out and gave the on the record quotes that you would normally give as a league source to reporters. He just like went, stood in front of a bank of cameras and torched everybody. He said, our front office didn't have any conversations with Phoenix regarding the reported three-way trade prior to it leaking during our game. We were floored to learn of the reports involving Dylan Brooks in the reported trade. We never discussed Dylan as part of this trade with Washington, which was the only team we spoke with concerning this proposed deal. Yo, Ernie Grunfeld, Come out. He wants to meet you behind the school at 3 p.m. This is amazing. Nobody ever does that, Chris. Like, no GM goes on the record and torches another GM. There's only taking your team out of it 29 other teams. And when you're going at two of them, like, that's not a not insignificant portion of the league that you're going after. This seems like it's the first time that I mean, I I know that the Jimmy Butler problems in Minnesota also were deeply intertwined with the constant leaking of stuff happening behind the scenes in Minnesota. But man, have you ever seen someone so clearly reacting to pieces of information winding up on Woj's Twitter feed? 
It's crazy. Like, yeah, it wasn't just like, we're not tracking the news. You are the news. Like you're becoming part of the story. I don't work for the Grizzlies. I work for the Raiders. So it's awesome for our purposes. But if I was going to be earnest about it, like I was just sitting there and I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening. I can't impress upon like for people who don't get to like go and talk to general managers and coaches and players and people around NBA teams, you never get them to say the super juicy bits on the record. Very rarely. Because they're going to be careful about it, right? They're going to be, ah, you know, like this probably doesn't help me, but it might help me if I just give it to you on the side as a source. He must have been so pissed that this whole thing went down for him to go out there and just be like, I don't care. Ernie's going to hear it. James Jones is going to hear it and I'm going to let it fly. And it might not help Chris Wallace moving forward. Great for us though. Fantastic content for the ringer. Well, and I think that it's actually been a subtle theme to this season of basketball where you see Robert Sarver reportedly blocking Ariza going to the Lakers because he doesn't want to help out Los Angeles. You see Glenn Taylor overriding Tom Thibodeau in Minnesota in terms of acquiescing to Jimmy Butler's trade demand and saying, like, if this guy isn't going to resign with us, if we're not going to keep him, like, I want him out of here. Let's get something for him. And even though you don't have an explicit ownership problem here, what you're seeing in this Memphis, Washington, Phoenix situation is probably too many cooks in the kitchen. Memphis has had notoriously a kind of divided front office in terms of ownership. They had that ownership struggle about a year ago. And, you know, I, I think that they've had some issues in the past with who's actually calling the shots there. And this sounds like a couple of people maybe making phone calls and thinking they were talking to a decision maker when they weren't. That's so great. It's so great. It was so much fun. I hope it happens again. I hope more trades fall through. I hope they involve Chris Wallace. I hope he gets heated and he does it on the record. It's, it was, it's kind of a delicate line for the NBA. We love it. I love it. But there is probably a line out there where the NBA is not crazy about this. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I I have to imagine where they're like, we need trades to be what they are. It can't be like there was a trade, but maybe there wasn't. Ben Falk wrote a story on uh, cleaning the glass where he explained like when he, he didn't say whether it was with Portland or with the Sixers because he worked for both organizations, but he said there was a three-way trade where something like this went down and it wasn't until they got on the trade call to review the players that were involved that one of the teams was like, oh, I'm throwing in this other player and the whole thing cratered. So he says it happens like maybe more than we suspect, but it happens behind the scenes. So for it to come to light, just wonderful entertainment value. Uh, all right, your last guilty pleasure of the podcast. This is really recent, and it's guilty just because I should have more things going on in my life to do this, but I have been in ch- sort of enjoying the Last Chance Saloon Cleveland Cavaliers in the absence of Kevin Love. Yeah. And they had a really nice game the night with the day we were recording this, the night before they beat the Pacers on a last-second Larry Nance putback. And there's just a bunch of guys on that team who were basically playing for their NBA careers in one way or another. And I know that they will probably, because of like the way that the karma gods work, get the number one pick again. And maybe we'll get back into the Cavs and get to see Zion on Cleveland. But it's been pretty fascinating to watch like guys like Alec Burks, guys like Larry Nance Jr. get this little sort of last chance. And in the absence of George Hill, who got traded to Milwaukee, you're seeing a little bit more Colin Sexton. It's not like I tell anybody if you're only going to watch one basketball team this week, make sure it's the Cavs. But <laughs> I, I, I do think that it's kind of fun to check them out if you have the time and see these guys really grinding for every win and loss. This is like deep, deep NBA nerdery. This is almost like a cry for help that you're like hot on the calves. Actually, Danny wrote a story for us on the ringer.com within the last few weeks where he spent a week watching Cavs basketball. And I'm like, I feel like both of you need an intervention. 
Well, it's not like what I build my life around, yeah. <laughs> but I do enjoy sexting and I do enjoy watching Burks when he's healthy. Like how deep are you going here? Are you getting like calves push alerts and shit? Are you getting t-shirts? What's happening? I'm doing like, I'm laying over like Larry Nance's like shot charts with Draymond's. Like it's just, I'm, I'm losing it. I love it. You can have all of that. I spent in the last few years for us here at the ringer, quite a lot of time in Cleveland proper. And uh, I, while I wish them well, I'm good on the Cavs for a while. Um, <laughs> I've, I've had my full of, just like I've had my fill of the Warriors. I'm good on the Cavs for a while. My last guilty pleasure, a team that I can never get enough of with respect to Chris and Donnie and House and all of the rest of our Washington, D.C. heads here at the Ringer. The Washington Wizards are my absolute favorite team in the NBA, and not for any of the conventional reasons. I don't really like watching them play. I don't think they're any good, but they are the league leaders in drama for however many years running. They're constantly at each other's throats. Ernie put everybody up on the block earlier in the season after deciding like, hey, this core isn't going to work, and then instead decided to acquire Ariza because I guess they're making a push for the playoffs, because why not? And then on top of that, uh, as we mentioned with Chris Wallace, he was involved in this really dumb, awful, fall-through, Keystone Cops three-way trade that did not happen. I want all of the Wizards to stay together in perpetuity because they're just too much fun. They're a shit show. Let's say that yes, up top. Yes. But I do think that they're kind of a victim of the NFLification of the NBA, by which I mean we put so much emphasis on storylines on a night to night basis. And if a team wins a game, it's X team is back, X team is fun. Is our X team ready to make the leap? And when a team loses a game or two games in a row, X team is in crisis. And the Washington Wizards, if you just went by the headlines, you'd think that they were 1 in 24. And they've won 12 games. They are somehow within spitting distance of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And even though that probably says more about the Eastern Conference than it does about whether or not Washington's any good or not, this is just like the way basketball used to be, where a team was kind of crappy, and then maybe they'd be okay for a while, and then they'd be crappy for a while, and then, oh, wait, weirdly, they made the playoffs. Yeah, I think, like, you're right that we... I certainly am guilty of this because I love the storylines and I love the drama. And like, I obviously really like basketball and the numbers and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I want to be entertained and I want it to be either, you know, good or bad. And the wizards are constantly in the bad category. Even when they make the playoffs, they're at each other's throats. The chemistry is a problem. They're throwing each other under the bus after losses in Sacramento and openly talking about it. And whatever happens with the wizards, when it's kind of like with the Sixers, there's constantly a storyline, but with the Sixers, it could be good or bad with the wizards. Almost invariably, it's like, Oh no, that happened. And I love that because right. I'm not a wizards fan. So it works out. But how, for did they, how did they win 12 games at this point? I don't know. Like, how is that even possible? I mean, Wall, look, Wall and Beal are really talented players. I know that uh, KOC thinks that Wall is the least talented of the elite point guards. That might be true. He's still really good. Beal is still really good. And I think, like, just by virtue of having those two guys, your mileage may vary a little bit on out of Porter, but I think just by virtue of having those two guys in the NBA, kind of like what you said earlier, on any given Sunday, the Wizards could go out there and win. The thing, though, is even if they make the playoffs, they're in an endless loop here. They got to break the cycle if you're the Wizards. I hope they don't. I hope they stay in this loop. But like, if they make the playoffs, where does that get them? Nowhere. The crazy thing is I think that that team has so much potential. 
They have so much potential as a franchise in terms of the built-in fan base playing in the Northeast Corridor in a place like Washington, D.C. And I think that there's like a lot of passion and interest for basketball in that area. And they've really squandered it with this generation of players and, and not really being able to build around either both Wall and Beal or making a decision and trying to build around one of those guys with other players. Not just this generation, though. They haven't won 50 games in four decades. That's every generation. Yeah, I know, man. It's just wild. Well, look, Ernie is uh, in his 15th year as general manager. I hope he gets another 15 more. He's my absolute favorite. This was fun. This was our Guilty Pleasures podcast. I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you're in Philadelphia holding it down until I get there. Off we go to have a lager when I get back, I think. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's on me. Fantastic. Thanks for doing this, Chris. Bye. All right. That was Chris Ryan. It's always great to catch up with him. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. And also, guys. We're going to have a very special post-Christmas Day mismatch episode with Verno and KOC. They're going to break down all the games, right, Isaac? Yep. Fantastic. This is going to be wonderful. I'm going to listen to that. I hope you do as well. We hope you have a happy holiday. As for us, because of the holiday, Heat Check may or may not be back next week. We're debating if we want to work on a New Year's Eve day. But if not, certainly the following week, Heat Check's not going anywhere. We're going to be here with you all season. And we want to thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. We will talk to you soon. entirely in Philly accents. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I, I've been uh, I've been working on my own. Here's, here's the thing about the Knicks thing. You know what I mean? Yo, I'm coming home. We'll get some hoagies. I know, Mayor, you gotta go you gotta go see my boy. He's gonna hook you up. To all the mum-mums and pop-ups out there. <laughs> Live right. from the shore. <laughs> <laughs> my aunt's got a place in Asian City. We're going down the shore. We can get some Go mac, down the shore. We'll get some mac and mancos. It's going to be great all summer. <laughs> I got a summer job slinging water ice. I'm going down on Sunday and Saturday. You're going to Borgata? <laughs> Borgata. I'm going down on Sunday and Saturday. and see. Uh, You're going to play a little pie gal? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I fucking love Philly.